Icelandic history can be really difficult to just figure out. As Iceland was being settled by the Norse people, they basically didn't write anything down. It wasn't until centuries later that anything was put to record, and even then these records disagree with one another. Now, With that said, by looking at primary sources, we can assemble a reasonably specific account of how the Vikings maybe accidentally found Iceland. So that's what I did. The information in this video comes from primary historical sources. I think it's important to specify this because I don't expect you, the viewer, to just trust any old thing you see in a YouTube video. That said, the first source I consulted with was actually a person. Like most things that happened over a thousand years ago, records of Icelandic history are a little murky. Primary sources like old Icelandic sagas take some requisite knowledge to fully understand. So in making this video, I spoke with Sverrir Jakobsen, a professor of medieval history at the University of Iceland. He was tremendously helpful in decoding and understanding the early Icelandic writings that serve as the foundation for this video. The first of these writings is the Landnambok, or the Book of Settlements. However, there are a few problems with using this text. First, it was not written until well after Iceland was settled. The earliest versions come from the 12th century and the latest from the 17th century. Iceland was discovered in the 9th century, so the text could have been written up to 800 years after the events actually occurred. The Latinum book's reliability can be questioned just based on the passage of time. Latinum book is also a pretty mysterious text. There are actually five total versions of this writing, and they don't even agree on all the events they discuss. This will come into play later. With all that said, the Lennon book is still one of the best, if not the best, primary source for early Iceland. It goes into relatively great detail about the very first Norse people to travel to the island, whereas other primary sources are pretty vague and not that helpful. The second source I used was Islendinga book. This text was written about the early history of Iceland and relies almost exclusively on oral accounts from the time it was created, somewhere around the year 1200. Now, to his credit, the author, Ari the Wise, did a lot to verify the reliability of these accounts. He also, despite being a priest, did well to keep Christian influence out of this writing. However, this text proved to be less relevant for this video. It begins with the first settling of Iceland, not its first discovery, or maybe discoveries, as you will soon find out. There is also the sagas of Icelanders. I did not use these very much at all in writing this video, and I would like to point out why. These cover early Icelandic history, beginning in the 9th century. That's just about when Iceland was first discovered. But the sagas are more revealing as to the culture of early Icelanders rather than the factual events that may have happened. These stories are based on oral tales, a lot of which are fantastical or maybe just not true. Additionally, they cover more of the second and third generations of the Norse in Iceland. So, as far as the discovery of Iceland, they just aren't really that relevant. With that said, they're tremendous and really interesting to read, and they're available online in a number of languages for free. That link will be in the video description. Early Norse people did not just go from Norway to Iceland. 
At the time, the Norse lands stretched all across northern Europe. They had set up various trading posts in northern England and Ireland. Indeed, most of Ireland's prominent modern-day cities were founded as Viking trading posts and hubs for westward Norse expansion. These cities include Dublin, Cork, Limerick, and a whole lot more. The Vikings also settled the Orkney and Shetland Islands off the coast of Scotland. These allowed the Vikings to go even further west and eventually find the Faroe Islands. In turn, the discovery and settlement of these islands allowed the Norse people to find Iceland. And it was specifically the Norwegians that found Iceland for the Norse. With a few exceptions, one of whom we will discuss in this video, Norwegian Vikings went west and Swedish Vikings went east. The Norwegians explored the Faroes, Iceland, Greenland, and even North America. The Swedes instead used northern European river systems to settle in Russia and Eastern Europe. There are a handful of Norse people who are credited with discovering and then settling Iceland. A Viking named Nadoder is generally accepted as the first Viking to find Iceland. Though to be fair, even the Landnam book states that this is what some say happened. But if the book is to be believed, Nadoder was traveling to the Faroes from Norway. He got lost, drifted too far west, and ended up in Iceland by accident. Upon arriving, Nadoder climbed a tall mountain to look for signs of life around the island. After finding none, Nadoder returned to the Faroes. As he was leaving Iceland, snow began to fall, and so he declared the island as Snæland, or Snowland. Nadoder went back to his home in the Faroes and spoke pretty highly of Iceland. No one really knows what happened to him, though. After returning from his trip, history kind of forgot about Nadoder. After Nadoder came Garthar. The earliest sources that mention Garthar are the Historia Norwegiae and the Historia de Anquitate Regum Norwagensium. These are general sources about the Norwegian royal line and only vaguely mention Garthar in passing. Now earlier we talked about the Landnam book and its different versions conflicting with one another. This is an instance where that happens. Two different versions of the Landnam book talk about Garthar in pretty great detail. Unfortunately, they say two completely different things about his trip to Iceland. In one version, Garthar's mother was a seer, a witch who could tell the future. She told Garthar to go seek Iceland, though it's unclear exactly why. In another version, Garthar was going to claim an inheritance on the Hebrides, a group of islands off the coast of Scotland. On this journey, he was caught in a storm that carried his ship west, accidentally, to Iceland. However, both of these sources agree that after finding Iceland, Garthar proceeded to circumnavigate the island. He was the first to confirm that it was, indeed, an island. Garthar and a small group spent the winter in Iceland, settling a town today called Husavik. But the next spring, Garthar was getting underway to leave the island. A man called Natfari, along with two slaves, drifted away from Garthar's boat and remained in Iceland. No one really knows what happened to these three, but perhaps they were possibly the first permanent settlers on Iceland. Yes, depending on how long they survived. After Garthar came Floki. If you've seen the show Vikings, that Floki is based on this real-life Viking. 
According to the Lentnam book, Floki was already a great Viking by the time he arrived in Iceland. Floki heard Garthar's tale about Iceland and he decided to go find it for himself. After leaving from Norway with his family, Floki made a stop in the Shetland Islands, where his daughter died, seemingly by drowning in a lake. From there, Floki traveled west and made a stop at the Faroe Islands. There he captured three ravens and embarked on his journey to find Iceland. Floki released the ravens at sea. The first just flew back to the Faroes. The second circled around the mast before landing back on the boat. The third, though, headed directly towards the west. Floki and his men followed that raven. The raven was correct and the crew found Iceland. They were immediately impressed by the island's great rivers and forested areas, with one of his crew members remarking that it was a, quote, great land. Indeed, the bay at which they arrived was so full of fish that Floki and his men just didn't collect any hay to feed the cattle they'd brought. That winter, all the cattle died. It's unclear if this was something Floki and his men did on purpose or just an oversight. But, either way, they stayed in Iceland. Falling spring was quite cold, and Floki found an iceberg while exploring a river mouth, so he decided the island was called Iceland. The men stayed for one more winter before returning to Norway. Floki reported in Norway that the place was useless. His crew members, however, were more enthused, with one even saying that, quote, butter dripped from every blade of grass. This is kind of a weird compliment by today's standards, but remember that butter was a highly valued commodity at the time. The next and perhaps most important early Icelander was Ingolfur Arnarsson. The Lentnam book doesn't specify how long after Floki Ingolfur went to Iceland, so it's hard to date these events with any accuracy. But Ingolfur Arnarsson is accepted as Iceland's first permanent resident. At his home in Norway, Ingolfur was involved in a blood feud. It's all pretty complicated, confusing, and not super relevant. But after the feud, he and his brother fled Norway for the land that Floki had, quote, discovered. As Ingolfur's ship approached the island, he threw two wooden posts into the sea. It was his idea that he'd let the gods decide where he should settle. Wherever the tide brought these wooden pillars, that would be his permanent settlement. Upon arriving in Iceland, Ingolfur built a small temporary settlement while his slaves searched for the pillars. Fortunately, it took three years for those pillars to turn up. But eventually, when they did, Ingolfur relocated his settlement to that location and named it Reykjavik. Today, in Reykjavik, there is actually a statue of Ingolfur. It should be said that the Norse were not the first people to find Iceland. According to early Icelandic sagas, a group of Celtic monks called the Papar were living in Iceland when Ingolfur arrived. In this saga, the Papar departed Iceland shortly after meeting the Vikings. The text claims they left willingly, with the Papar not wanting to live among the heathen pagan settlers. Shortly after Ingolfur's settlement, there was a large migration of Norwegians to Iceland. Reykjavik kind of became a cool place to be. That is, until the then King Harald forbade his people from doing so. The trip was so popular that he genuinely feared all of his people would just move to Iceland, 
leaving Norway deserted. Eventually, he changed his mind. Harald decided that anyone could move to Iceland as long as they paid him a bit of money. <laughs>